Are you a millennial who's struggling to find more purpose? Do you feel confused when you think about what you're created to do here? Do you waste time on job search engines searching for a better fit? Do you often feel unfulfilled with what you're doing on a day-to-day basis? Well, you don't have to feel that way anymore. Welcome to the Life and Business Coaching for Millennials, a safe space where people from all walks of life can come together to learn, grow, and transform. My name is Jose Miguel Longo, and I'm your host. Life and Business Coaching for Millennials is a place where diversity is celebrated and encouraged, where we can have open, honest conversations about uncovering your purpose in business, feeling more joy in your life, and ultimately finding more happiness and success. I look forward to having meaningful conversations and coaching sessions that will help you explore life, career options, be inspired, fueled, and fulfilled with laughter. It's time to chit-chat with Jose Miguel. Let's dive in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Life and Business Coaching for Millennials. This is your host, Jose Miguel Longo. Today, I have an amazing guest who's a really good friend of mine. We've known each other for such a long time. Um, I feel like it's been forever. Jackie Wallace. Her and I used to work at SUNY Oswego, which I love. Beautiful Lake Ontario, amazing campus, amazing people. And I want her to come to you to talk about all things assessment, discovery tools, the things to help build a fruitful life, gain clarity, help get information and resource, and help dig deep into your passions. Jackie Wallace, thank you so much for joining us today and for being our guest. I so appreciate you taking your time to be here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. So every time I have either a coaching session or I'm doing a show and people are commenting about it or leaving reviews, some of the things they ask me are, what are the best tools for either digging deep to learn more about themselves or what can I do to better understand, am I on the right path for my career? Or how can I find out if I'm in the right career? Or (laughs) what should I do? I'm lost. So Mm -hmm. when I thought about this, obviously, you know, I think you're the queen of all things assessment tools because- Too kind, too kind. Well, you know, you're always a person I go to whenever I say, hey, I'm prepping a course. Can you help me? What do you think I should do? And I run it by you. So time and time again, the first person that came to mind when I was thinking about this topic was you. So thank you so much. But- let, tell people a little bit about yourself before we jump into all those questions and let them hear what you do, what the magic is that you do, and then share a little bit about the assessment tools that you use. You bet. So I'm one of the career coaches uh, in our career services office at SUNY Oswego. Um, my industry area that I focus on is education, public, and human services. Um, but life before that, um, I was the undeclared advisement coordinator on campus. So I uh, coordinated the advisement for 200 plus uh, students. Uh, Specifically, I I had a group of 25 that I worked with, but I also uh, still coordinate a course called Major Exploration and Career Development. And so we have first year students um, that engage in the major and career exploration uh, with us in a structured way um, every fall. And we've started offering in the spring semester. And an important part of that process is, of course, you know, looking within. Um, and so there's so many tools that we can use, uh, including the self-assessments uh, in that process as well. So that's a, a little bit about um, what I do in our office and um, how we focus that. 
So when you work with these students and, you know, even if you were working with, say, with an alum who had already stepped out of college and is perhaps coming back to get some career advice, what assessment tool might you recommend? So if you're someone who's just getting started, maybe there's parents on here who are trying to help their student be more proactive about the college entry point process, or maybe it's someone who is like in a career transition where they're trying to figure out, oh crap, I don't know what I'm doing next. What do I do? What assessment would you recommend? So, you know, there's a lot of formal and informal assessments out there, um, and it really does start with a conversation to gauge um, where people are at. So, you know, I talk about, um, you know, what we have to offer. For example, you know, we have um, some free tools that uh, folks can use when they have their Oswego uh, email address and even as an alum. So, you know, if they want to do it autonomously on their own, you know, there's things like uh, Focus 2, which embeds a work interest inventory, which will give you your Holland code. Um, there's fees involved um, with some of the other uh, self-assessments um, that we do have a limited number of reports we're able to run. Um, and so if it's digging, you know, much deeper, um, need to have uh, really a guided conversation, you know, we may talk about the Myers-Briggs type inventory um, or the strong interest inventory, uh, both of which have years of research behind them when it comes to, you know, validity and reliability. So we may focus in on, on those two, for example, um, but anyone, no matter where they're at in the career development, um, StrengthsQuest can be also a great tool. So um, you know, we can have a conversation around exploring careers um, and related, you know, type of experience and education you need just by knowing more about the strengths someone brings. Um, but it's also a great tool in, you know, the job search process when you're coming down to, you know, updating your marketing materials or the interview process. So there's some great language you can um, develop for yourself just knowing more about who you are. And then an important piece of the puzzle, too, is values. Um, and so we have some tools we use when it comes down to just taking a look at your values. Um, you know, we were able to uh, purchase some, you know, card sorts when it comes to values just to be able to have a, a meaningful conversation. And that's what I think all these tools allow us to do is to be able to put a framework and some language to the discussion um, to help guide us through the process. You know, and I think that you know, when we're making an informed choice about what direction our life is going to take us, you know, specifically even for our career development, um, there's so many pieces of the puzzle. You know, who am I? So it's your interest, strengths, values. Um, all those are important things to look at because if one of those out, is out of alignment, you know, you definitely have a, a decreased job satisfaction uh, as well. So um, it really starts with a conversation identifying, you know, what might be the, the first um, stage in that process for us to take a look at um, who they are. And they might have done some of that work beforehand. So, you know, I've had uh, students and alumni come to me that are very aware of their strengths, but haven't had time to talk about their values um, or their personality and how that connects to the world of work uh, as well. So it could be any of those. And then there's some really awesome uh, free informal assessments out there. You know, I think of Subicus, for example, you know, one of my first SUNY development organization conferences we went to out in Buffalo, Mark Savickas was there with us and just watching the magic um, of him connecting, you know, in a really structured way using, you know, something called My Career Story, for example. Um, and so there is a workbook um, that they have available for free as well that folks can use to help guide them. And they do 
implement, you know, the strong as part of that uh, conversation too. connecting, you know, things about yourself, such as, you know, all along, you know, what, who are the heroes in your life that you looked at and what is their personality traits and how does that connect to who you aspire to be? Um, and, you know, oftentimes, no matter if you're using the formal assessments, you're using the informal assessments, there comes these aha moments or, you know, I used to think about that, you know, in high school and I could be talking to someone that's, you know, been in the job world for 20 years, you know, it's something I always had in the back of my mind and, you know, let's talk about you know, why, why did you set that aside and what does it look like for you? And, and so, yeah, there's a lot of tools out there that really do help guide that conversation. And, and that's what they are. There's those assessments. There's no right or wrong answer, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about, you know, self-identifying, you know, what you know about yourself and, and bringing that out. And, you know, as a career coach, helping to pull that out, right? Yeah. I mean, and all that stuff, I mean, thank you for sharing that. All that stuff is so valuable and important. I think that no matter where you are in your life, sometimes you have to go back to those places to really dig up those mm-hmm. true feelings about how you feel about yourself that you may be mm-hmm. harboring. Um, a lot of times when I'm doing coaching, I ask the question, you know, what would the 10 year old self, or the seven year old self tell you? Yeah. you know, what did you do when you were at your best? And what was uh-huh. it that kind of energized you? And you know, we get stuck in the path of what life is supposed to be, right? We're told that we're supposed to go to college and get a job and achieve success and success is driven by money and those values that we develop as an adult when that part of you that 10 year old seven year old eight year old just Mm -hmm. got lost got distracted and now before you know it you are in your 30s 40s and you're like Mm -hmm. oh my god what happened to my life what am i doing um so (laughs) you need to make those decisions before life decides it for you right yeah well and you and then you have that blink of an eye which i think Ultimately, so the, the population of people who I most work with are obviously millennials. So they're, you know, we know the age group, but there's this whole other population of people who are still not ready to put the, the foot in the bag and say, I'm ready to retire. I want to transition to a different career. I'm going to retire yes. from one career and go to another. And they're in that self-discovery mode again of their life. So yes. I see a lot of people, more specifically women who come to me and say, I need help. Um, right. and, and I find myself doing a strange um, quest doing analysis with them. I'll do sometimes a Holland code to really understand based on where their values are right now for work. But what are your top three assessment tools? And we know we both have one that we love the most and I'll let you talk Mm -hmm. about it. But tell me what you think are the top three that whether it's related to your passion and your values and then for career and then for business and clarity. Okay, so I might have you go back and make sure I answer all these questions. But, um, you know, my go-tos, and mostly because it's the feedback I get from um, the students and alumni that I work with, is strengths quest. I mean, we don't spend enough time talking about why we're awesome, is what I say. You know, we're oftentimes focused on our deficits. So uh, being able to focus in on those strengths, because that opens up so many doors. Um, you know, the Myers-Briggs type inventory uh, as well, you know, when we go through, you know, CPP, for example, the reports they have are, are pretty um, thorough. And so it relates your personality uh, and interest to folks that have been in the world of work um, and what you have in common, you know, for your personality. And it and even talks about um, your career development, um, what challenges and strategies do you have to overcome those challenges, uh, as well as some, you know, grouped um, popular occupations and being able to compare the MBTI to the um, career report for the strong interest inventory 
I think um, gives us a great conversation too. So I find even when it comes down to using the MBTI, if we have the strong as well, you can really look at the comparisons to see where coming out. Um, so, you know, using Holland's code to be able to have that conversation too. And I find, um, you know, oftentimes if you're working with people that haven't done a lot of, um, haven't been out in the real world, haven't know, you know, really looked at themselves uh, a while, may struggle with, you know, doing the MBTI uh, and um, the strong because, you know, and they're answering the questions. They're like, I've never been in this type of situation to know what I would prefer. Um, and you're supposed to be taking with your shoes off self, right? So you're relaxed and, um, and can just be yourself. But when you're working with first year students in the very beginning of the year, there's all these stressors, you know, new place, new community, you know, trying to transition into. So that's, you know, can be difficult too. But those are my three formal self-assessment go-tos. Um, of course, you know, I, I love using strengths with anyone and no matter where they're at in their career development, we use it a lot for leadership development too. So those tend to be my, my go-tos. Let's dive a little bit into the streams class because we both love that one. I find mm -hmm. myself, every place I've worked at after working from uh, Oswego, I find myself bringing streams class into the conversation, into the campus mm -hmm. community and just letting it explode where I can. And you mm -hmm. know, whether you're a college student or you're someone who's been working for five years or you're getting into your mid-career or you're someone who's getting ready to transition to another career, this assessment is valuable to you, not just in your career foundations, but your personal life, because it yep. gives you so much growing points. Mm -hmm. Talk about what the magic is when you do a strange quest assessment, what your themes are and what that means. All right, so um, my top five themes of talent are um, maximizer, activator, achiever, empathy, and command. Um, and actually in my top 10 are also communication and individualization. So those two have actually moved up into my top five. Um, I had some time in residence life and housing where empathy and command really were uh, very necessary and used a lot. So those have you know, gone down in my top 10 a little bit. Um, but just the language that they were able to have um, and communicate about ourselves, uh, even if you're not saying, you know, I'm a maximizer, just to know that, you know, where my energy lies um, is being able to really identify what's awesome about other people, looking at even programs and events and how they can be even more spectacular and more impactful. Um, so it really is my drive and my motivator um, as well. And of course, the activator and achiever um, pushing forward and, and getting things done, right? So uh, it definitely does provide a language. So when you're looking at your themes of talent, then you can focus in on, all right, so how can I apply more knowledge and skills to those themes to really make them shine, really make them strengths? Um, and I think it also allows us to see, um, you know, when we get stressed out, how we're not using those strengths for good. So, you know, if I'm stressed out, it's probably because, you know, I have my active achiever in overdrive, that I'm just putting too much on my plate, trying to accomplish too much without taking that self-care um, into, you know, priority as well, too. So it definitely gives us some great language. And, you know, and even as I'm working with teams, um, you know, one of the things I like to say is, you know, find someone in your life that you trust and share this information with them because oftentimes that's aha because we don't always look at um, those as strengths um, because they're naturally occurring. We don't think about it. Um, if you, you know, pay attention to times that you have a yearning to do more or you get lost in what you're doing, those are some indicators, right, that you're working in your strengths. Um, but we oftentimes think, well, doesn't everybody do that? No. You know, you're uniquely you. Um, and I, and I love, you know, one of the quotes out there too, I think it's a Carl Young quote is, um, 
we can learn a lot about ourselves by what annoys us about other people. And so oftentimes it's that, you know, other people have different strengths. They're using different strengths that may, you know, rub up against ours. So being able to see that as strengths um, and making sure that it's, you know, not the shadow side coming out, right? Um, <laughs> you know, they might just have a different personality, a different lens in, in looking at the world. So it just gives teams, for example, a different lens to be able to appreciate uh, and acknowledge each other's strengths and how uplifting is that, right? We don't often get a chance to do that. Um, you know, part of um, there's a series of videos um, where it's called Trombone Player Wanted, right? It was put up by Gallup. Um, and, you know, part of that conversation is that even growing up, and you had a report card, um, and you have, you know, a C in math and an A in English, you know, what gets more attention? You know, let's get you a tutor for that math. Let's spend more time doing things that you don't want to do, right? They don't energize you, right? I mean, I think right. everything we talk about and how I – even with my students or my clients, it's always about what energizes you the most. Think about that time where you were at your best and think about that time where you ultimately felt like you were lost in what you were doing. You felt yeah. so connected that it was coming from your core and you kind of like lost yourself in the moment. What were those periods? What were those moments? So. And you might be working with, you know, folks that, um, you know, maybe they're struggling with some of their academics, um, but they're very involved in a couple of clubs and organizations, and they just put more of their time and effort into those things. Like, they might love planning events and, you know, being able to coordinate those. And maybe they're in some classes that it's the opposite, you know, that they're asking you to do. Um, and, and maybe that's not one of your strengths. Um, and so how do you, and it's not look looking at like ignoring your weaknesses, right? It's being able to think about how can you use these strengths to um, move forward through those struggles, right? Um, what might make it easier for you to accomplish um, so that you can focus in on those strengths and putting those time and energies there too. So yeah, it definitely gives some opportunities for looking at that in a meaningful way and finding more opportunities to work in your strengths and um, be energized by what you do. And that, you know, in the Gallup poll that went into developing um, this tool um, take took a look at um, you know what makes the best of the best right in the world of you know the people that are excelling um, and they are knowledgeable about their strengths and they surround themselves with people that have strengths that are different than theirs so that way you know who to collaborate with you know even in the world of work of who can I go to that loves doing the research right that that's something that drains me I don't have that input strength for example um, and so that can bring a lot of energy too of just having that conversation with the people around you whether you're working in a group for a project or you're working in a team in the world of work um, or maybe it's the you know you're working on a basketball team um, knowing what each other's strengths are is very important do you remember when i first took it gosh it's over 10 years ago now but I struggled so hard to own them and really accept them for where they were. Do you remember how I came to it? was like, I have to take this again. This is not. Right. But yeah, I mean, input individualization, um, achiever, learner, input individualization, achiever, learner. And there's another one I'm missing there. There's another I um, that I'm not even thinking about. Intellection? No, I had like three I's and like. Three I's. With the achiever and learner. Um, but individualization, I feel like is one of my strongest because it's how I, at my, my best when I'm working yes. with people and just that skill. And, and I love it because it took me so long to own it and not realize that it was who I am at the deep of it. And then when I would read the hard description of what the textbook says, 
oh, you like to collect things when you're an when you're an income. Oh, yeah. I'm like, no, I don't want to collect anything. I want to throw stuff away. But <laughs> to do research and you know just want to constantly learn about stuff, I yes. can catch when they get stuck in the moment. I squirrel brain will spend hours reading articles. I stood up. Do you also at, have like ideation or includer? Ideation. Ideation, yes. I mean, that goes nicely with that input, too, just getting lost in that thought and that data and that research. Yeah, yeah. So, it, it, first one is input, individualization is the second, um, ideation is the third, learners the fourth, and achievers the fifth. You know, one of my colleagues also had input, and she also struggled, too. She's like, I don't collect butterflies, but she collects ideas and thoughts and quotes. I mean, I, you know, every presentation or anything I do with her, she's like whipping up quotes here and there that, and she also has connection, you know, um, connection to um and so she's really or connectedness she's really looking at you know how those are applicable to what she's doing in the world too so yeah sometimes people struggle with the results too because you know it's important you know in any of these self-assessments that you just take time to process it and you know like i said it's no right or wrong answer so you i tell people pull out the language in there that resonates most with you there might mm -hmm. be like butterfly they're like no because not every person with intellection uses intellection the same way or input the same way. It has a lot to do with your other strengths, right? And, and I think the magic about it is that I've found myself recently doing much more, we were taught how to coach this in group settings, right? Mm -hmm. I've recently found myself coaching people one-on-one -on -one, and the magic that happens when I get to hear about people's stories and how I can apply their strengths to their stories and I'm rifting mm -hmm. off the description, it's not the textbook about what it applies to their life. Like, oh my God, that light bulb goes off and right. they feel so much more connected to it. That to me was much more rewarding. And not that I don't like doing it in groups, but you kind of miss people being able to engage with themselves yes. um, and being able to realize, oh, that is me or that applies to this scenario. And then they want to go mm -hmm. apply it and use it. Um, I think, to, so one thing I always want to hit on that people oftentimes don't recognize why is it that we told people you only take it once and you don't take it again? Because I think people are always anxious to see if things have changed when in reality, maybe like you said, from your top 10, we always pay attention to the top five, but your six and seven shifted up a little bit. Talk right. a little bit about that. So, you know, what's interesting with StrengthsQuest, um, and now it's actually more um, less expensive, I should say, to purchase your top 30, you know, your whole 34 in order, but they, the theory behind it is that, um, you know, with all the research they've done with it, um, with, you know, the um, reliability and validity is that you should see similar results or the same results as you take it over time, um, that you really do have a top 10. So even when I'm processing it the first time, I'm like, if you see another strength that you're like, I think that's something that I have too, it might be in your top 10. But the time and energy it takes to process and apply and develop those themes into strengths into your top five, um, they need the attention. So if you are trying to spread yourself out to looking at, you know, your top 10 strengths, then you're really not giving your top five the, the attention it needs because it really is an order of how often it's used. So my maximizer, you know, I did take it, you know, 10 years later, for example, um, just as I, I knew myself and I was doing different work for a while. Um, and I knew my 34 because I had, you know, gone through um, training um, to be able to use um, the StrengthsFinder assessment. And uh, so I did know, you know, my top 30, you know, my 34 in order. But um, we can also get lost in the, what's my number 34? We tend to like, what don't I have, you know? And so they want you to focus on that top five. 
um, you really do have a top 10 that you work in, right? Um, and you can take it again. You know, I have, you know, provided codes for folks. But what I tend to see, though, is that often at least the top three are the same. And if you didn't have that 34 in order, you don't necessarily know that, um, you know, those other two or three that came up into your top five um, changed um, too. So it, it oftentimes gives you a different perspective in looking at your results if you, you know, keep taking over and over again. And oftentimes, you know, I, I rarely see it change much. Um, things might shift around. Um, and depending on where you are in life, you know, I, I always use my Maximizer whether I was in res life or in career services. Um, but I don't necessarily need my command uh, in, in career services. I used it a lot in res life, especially when it came to conduct. Um, and so, you know, I can recognize that about myself. And so when I'm having a conversation with others about, okay, so you know yourself more um, than you did, you know, freshman year coming in. So sure, I'll give you another code and you can retake it and we can look at it. But usually that, that three stays, the top three stays there. There might be another one that shifts up and they oftentimes, you know, a lot of people I talk to too, like that top five, it's theirs. They own it. It's very personal. Like, I don't want to know, you know, if another one popped up because, you know, that resonates with me and that's who I am. And, and so they're like, no, I'm always going to be an achiever. In a yeah. Way, so. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I think it's probably not, I don't want to say it took me 10 plus years to own them. I definitely, mm -hmm. the more I dug deeper into them, have definitely owned them myself. But mm -hmm. I haven't, I've found a lot of people who have ultimately said to me, oh, I took it at this employer and um, they didn't go over it. So they didn't have like a true breakdown or a meeting to really discuss how to kind of understand what your strengths are. And then they come to another institution where they go through a training and then they take it again. And there's like maybe number five moved to number four, but number three right. and two were kind of the same. And number one was the same as well. So exactly what you described. But a yeah. lot of people sometimes don't really invest the time. So we know that Strength Quest is all encompassing in facets of your life, whether it's in your, your career, in your relationships, and um, working with teams in collaboration and leadership. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the Myers-Briggs inventory, the MBTI. That yeah. one is the most common one that if you ask anyone about assessment, people always know, right? I think mm -hmm. it's been around forever. And you know, when you talk about personalities, I'm an E, where I think we're both E's, right? Yeah, J and I'm an ENFJ. ENFJ, yep. So you know, we're those we're those people who are always out there making friends. If we're in a room, we want to have the party. So you know, I think tell people a little bit about that one, and then we can dive into a little bit of other pieces of it. Yep. And so you can really get lost in the um, the Myers Briggs. I mean, it's. Um, there's so much data and research behind it that you can utilize it in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, the most common way that, of course, we use it as, you know, uh, career services professionals is to look at um, the career development, right? But, you know, just how we manage our relationships too and in teams, and you know, I've done it with our leaders uh, on campus, like our orientation leaders and, and such too. Um, the team dynamics can change by who makes up your team, um, even based upon you know the personalities that are a part of that group, right? Um, and so, you know, what's interesting about the MBTI that it's you know focused on um, Carl Jung's personality traits, right? Um, and so, um, Isabel Myers Briggs and Catherine Briggs really took that theory and applied it in a way that we um, can utilize it as an assessment tool to have some meaningful conversations about who my at the core what are my uh, innate preferences um, and you know what's interesting when you're able to process it together is that 
um, you can see even the clarity in each of those dichotomies. Um, so, you know, how, you know, how often do I resonate towards the side of extroversion versus introversion? Um, and so I'm off the charts, E. You know, I'm, I'm super E, da, 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 right? Um, and, you know, what that tells me about myself is just the energy that I get um, from working with others um, and being at conferences and talking about things, right? Um, and when it comes down to looking at each of those four dichotomies as a whole, um, so it gives you, you know, there's 16 different types. And, you know, I like to say, too, that we don't all fit nicely into these, you know, 16 different boxes, mm -hmm. right? So much else about ourselves that you have to take in consideration but you know the language and what we have in common is is pretty interesting to, to see um and you know how I, I work with an enfj might look different than how i collaborate and work with an you know even the infjs in my office too so um you know it, it just tells a lot about yourself and you know if I was in an office all day in a cubicle, just how draining that would be, right? Because I need to be around people. I need to be having these conversations. Um, and so there's a lot of careers out there that would allow me to do that, but I need structure. So if I was, you know, going into uh, a job too, so as, you know, a J or a judging, um, I know about myself that um, I need to have some structure. I need to know what's going on. And so it's more stressful to me if I don't, you know, things are thrown at me last minute and there's this crunching deadline and be like, oh my gosh, you know, occasionally I can manage that. But if that's part of my everyday life and there's a ton of risk taking and, and those types of things, it'll be very difficult um, for me to be able to manage, you know, that self-care and, and do that job at the same time and just wouldn't be as energizing as well. So taking those four different economies that make up your type and, and having a meaningful conversation is important um, and just understanding what that is, but also how you can work with others um, that are different than you. You know, how I can collaborate with an ISTP, for example, um, is very important to understand in order to build that uh, positive working relationship. Um, as well and how we work best together but also like strengths of you know surrounding yourself with people that are different than you um, really brings this great perspective into life and um, can be able to accomplish tasks in a, in a better more meaningful way uh, as well too so it, it gives you a lot of information about yourself the report the pre-report you know give you some like I said earlier um, ideas of you know because of your type here's some challenges you might face and here's some strategies to overcome them and here's some you know job families that um, are popular for your type so you can look at and see all right how else do um, you know my interests and strengths and values come into play when deciding that specific um, career field I know it's popular for my type but you know how, what else should I be looking at here too and so it definitely um, gives you uh, a focus mm -hmm. right, of you know where to put my energy because oftentimes you know especially if you're working with folks that are all over the place not sure what they want to do either they have no interests or they have so many interests <laughs> as well and, and I think it's because it's been around for so long and it's yeah. and it has the least number of common attributes you're more prone to go to an mbti and forget about the other ones and i think it's maybe the first one you might want to do to learn more about yourself before diving into maybe your strengths but i agree though i like definitely the energy you have working with different people brings so much value to a conversation that can be so meaningful and impactful but for sure when you're trying to figure out where you should be working what you should be doing is the it's it's all in there hundred percent right. in all those different categories i mean the characteristics of each of those four dichotomies ultimately is going to give you so much life hopefully the light bulb goes off for people and you have that aha moment yeah that's really looking for 
Um, I love seeing it in people's faces whenever I would do those courses we talked about, the survey of career fields yep. courses, and seeing like, oh my God, I never knew. And then they explode because they're like, oh, am, am I really supposed to be in the major that I'm in? Um, yeah. Or, you know, or yeah. they've been doing a job for so long because it just became comfort, right? The comfort of doing something for such a long period of time, not recognizing that like, I'm, I need to change. I need to change. This is my life. I'm, it's blinking away and it's running away from me. But to give that um, just validity to that too of, oh, well, it makes sense why, you know, I've struggled and I see other people in this job excelling and where I'm struggling and I don't, you know, I don't enjoy it like other people do and that's why. And you people know, beat themselves. So- good at it because you can be good at something and not enjoy it, right? I, exactly. And people, like, I did not enjoy accounting and I've never been good with math, but I was good with accounting for some reason. I hated it. I'm like, I'm not going to do this. No offense to accountants. Just, there's a person for everybody, right? There's a, per, there's a job for everyone. Um, but I think also like thinking about the work and realizing like you're beating yourself up over thinking that you have to do something that's not really meant for you and not really opening your eyes to the fact that yeah. it isn't meant for you. Stop beating yourself, beating yourself up over it. And focus on how you can shift your energy to more positive and things that are really meant for your personality and your true self. Exactly. You know, you made me think back to even when um, I was a student that, you know, as a business major. And, you know, what I really enjoyed was the account, or I didn't enjoy the accounting, but I enjoyed the, the marketing and the HR, the working with people, the training and development and, and those types of things. And I, I had never taken the opportunity to, um, do one of these assessments. There was one type of career report um, that did uh, I did do, um, but it wasn't the MBTI or strong, and I, and I can't remember back what it was. But um, but what I enjoyed about that program was different than you know people that decided to do the five year accounting MBA. I mean, they love the numbers and the, mm-hmm. the detail and accuracy. But I'm an N, <laughs> you know, I'm intuition. I look at bigger picture. Mm-hmm too. So those details and, and those types of things aren't something I naturally am drawn to or um, as well. So, you know, taking a look at that heart type, your, your two letters in the middle, I'm an NF. Um, and so, you know, that definitely gets you thinking about um, bigger picture and, you know, even how I make decisions and, and everything too. So yeah, lots of great conversations too. And, and a reason why, you know, I didn't necessarily end up in, you know, the accounting field as well. Um, but it's always the, and I do a lot of, you know, the training and everything too. And I utilize a lot of that marketing because, you know, with my um, pollen code, I'm social and artistic. And so I am creative and, uh, and really enjoy that too. And I was almost an art major as well. Or, and I was almost, you know, psychology um, because I do enjoy that, the helping fields, the knowing about people, really people focused, right? Yeah. What makes them tech. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I love that. It's my favorite thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I took, it was so funny when I was working on my associate's degree, I remember finding myself more attracted to the psych and the social than anything yeah. else, even though I was still like, ooh, business. And I love the idea about being that enterprising person and yes. you know, having to have your own business. But it's amazing how it kind of comes together. And oddly okay. enough, when I worked in HR, spent four years doing that work. And you know, it wasn't until literally the year I was leaving, they started to actually implement more assessment tools that were skills-based and strength-based yeah. where they had never existed. I was like, this is so important to developing people. Why are we doing this? 
Um, yeah. But, you know, with that reorganization, there's restructuring and so things change with time. So You I'm know, it's interesting too. I've, I've actually gone in um, to some of our employer partners and facilitated StrengthsQuest with their team and the MBTI as well. So exactly. And it's the HR professionals that I collaborate with to do that. Yeah. And, it, and it's so important. Like I'm finding more and more companies. I actually had someone reach out to me about doing a consulting because they were building brand new teams. And they wanted all the teams to understand each other's strengths to work together. And I was yeah. so excited. And then COVID happened and they lost their grant funding to do it. Oh, but um, yeah, but it was such an interesting opportunity because they sought me out to do that work because they found me someplace where I had been doing it and someone recorded me doing it. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know where that happened. Can you tell me? They're like, no, someone told me about you. I don't know where it was. So <laughs> I have no idea. But yeah, it was, I'm, I love those opportunities because you get to learn more about other people and get to know more about their strengths and who they are. Mm-hmm. So I want to do a quick snippet of the strong and strong is yep. the third one, right? So tell us a little bit about what the strong does, because it's one that I think often is forgotten <laughs> in many ways. What can you say about the strong interest inventory? When should someone do a strong interest inventory and why? Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, I feel like the MBTI and strong just go so nicely together um, and paints like the, the bigger picture and you get to see the similarities um, and are there things that are coming out differently on, in each of those reports. So um, it looks at the John Holland, um, focus on his uh, person or um, theory of personality development um, and takes a look at your interest to compare to people that have been in the field. They enjoy what they're doing. They're doing the typical work tests associated with that job, right? So if they're a teacher, they're teaching. Um, and so with that, um, you get any combination of the six um, themes. So there's social, artistic, enterprising, conventional, investigative, um, and actually realistic. So they call it the, the RIASEC. Um, so it starts with the R-I-A-S-E-C, right? And so when you're looking at um, the combination of themes, um, so I'm actually social, artistic, and enterprising. And, you know, oftentimes, too, the conversation is, are there areas that are coming out, um, career fields, that may be great fit for a career or hobbies? Because you might find that, you know, even for me, there's some artistic careers that come out that um, I love to incorporate into my personal life that maybe I don't want to, um, you know, go to school for or to do as a full-time career because I might take the magic out of it. Um, so it's a great conversation and tool to look at because it's, it's not just looking at the world of work, but also your hobbies and your interest areas and your values and, and everything too. So if you're looking at a report for the strong interest inventory, it, it does take a look at those different areas um, that you're able to see for each of those and how much you have in common um, with folks in, in each of those areas too. So, you know, what comes out highest for you um, definitely is something to pay attention to. So a lot of my careers are folks from social, the helping fields. Um, you know, there's a couple of, you know, people focused and it's the uh, social and enterprising um, and they're right next to each other on the, the reset hexagon and everything. So they're more commonly found together. Um, but you might find someone that maybe is social and conventional, which is not as common. And so it really does provide some unique career field opportunities of folks that are, are able to do that. So, you know, having someone that loves presenting that does coding 
for example. And so if you're working for a tech company and someone has those, you know, interest areas, they're the people that you want in front because they're going to be building relationships um, and being able to articulate what you do as an organization. Um, and it's rare that you usually find, you know, those two together because they're so different. Mm -hmm. And so what's nice is that there is a lot of tools out there that you can go to with that information, you know, like ONET online. Totally um, free. Yeah. Right. So that's free. You can even do my next move has a uh, interest assessment in there focused on the, the Holland code. Um, so there's some great opportunities to further the conversation um, and take a look at all the social careers that are out there. But if you look at, you know, what else do, you know, uh, I have in common, maybe I have a lot in common with people in artistic careers. So looking at social and artistic together is going to even focus your search more. Narrowing it down way up. Um, what those types of fields are as well. So, you know, those are two that I use uniquely together for myself. And then of course, super involved in our community um, and leadership positions too. So that enterprising comes out more in my um, personal life too. Yeah, I think for me, I, it's my go-to, believe it or not, because it's the first one that's obviously it's free to find in many different ways. It's yep. in the focus to assessment tool. Um, and then when we dig deeper and someone wants to kind of narrow things down a little bit more, I take them on to know that and then I might even recommend them my next move. Um, but before I jump into anything else is the first one I, you know, I navigate students to go into because they're oftentimes trying to just absorb every piece of information they can find. But, you know, when assessing it with them, they're like, they have to see that bar graph. They have to see what each one means to really drive it home with where it relates to the world of work. Um, and I think ultimately, I mean, I'm an SEA, no, mm -hmm. SEI, I think. So enterprising social, social enterprising investigative. Makes it's, sense. Yeah. And so um, when I'm talking to them, I'm like, look, these are the things in my, and from my attributes and what I do and how they fit into me. And they're like, oh, the light bulb starts to go off. Right. Um, so, you know, what advice would you have to, student, non-student, parent, um, you know, person who's retired in regards to why the value of taking a, a actual tool and assessment? You know, it provides that language to be able to have a meaningful conversation. Um, it also allows you to make, you know, with that information, an informed decision about what your next steps are going to be, right? Um, and so, you know, I would advise too that if you are interested in doing any of that work to, to talk with someone that has some expert, you know, has the expertise to be able to facilitate that conversation uh, as well. So, you know, yes, you can do focus too on your own, but follow up with a, a career practitioner to be able to, to help guide you through that conversation. Because, you know, as you're, you're reflecting and talking about out loud, they can, you know, help to say like, oh, so tell me more about this. Let's dig a little deeper, right? Um, and so it, it definitely does give you the tools um, to put some language into um, who you are and, and, you know, what is going to be important in the world of work for you um, and your next steps. Um, and the other thing, too, is, you know, once you have this information, not to just to let it sit um, and not do anything with it. So, you know, when you're talking with others, they can say, okay, so let's look at, so these three top career fields keep coming up for you. Um, let's look at, you know, what training and education experience do you need to get into the fields? And, and let's weigh that, you know, where are you at your life? What is feasible for you able to do? You know, is it <clears throat> this field, um, you know, maybe you just have to get a certification in order to transition into it, that you already have all these other skills that you've developed from this current job that you've been in, right? 
Um, so, you know, being able to um, have that language, be able to, you know, connect with someone to help move you along, to continue that conversation too. It's a great starting point, but it's not the end all be all, right? Mm-hmm. It's keep going. But it also might just give you the confidence to maybe you had always been thinking about that in the back of your mind. And then he's like, all right, let's just do it. You know, all roads point to me going in this field. And, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, folks are going to be awesome at a lot of different things. And so focusing on right now, this is what I want to do. Um, and maybe down the road, I can continue on with my education and, you know, branch into this field after I have these experiences too. So, you know, those are, are some things that I think about as you're, you know, coaching and, and working with others in their career development is that just how um, these tools provide just a language and, you know, opportunities to have a meaningful conversation and focus the conversation um, as well. Even with the job search, being able to focus in, you can't apply for every job that's out there just because nope. it's open you know, tune <laughs> your search. Yeah. Um, so that way, you know, you're putting your time and energy into um, this, you know, specific field is going to be, you know, have you be more successful um, in your search than applying to everything. And I, and I say now, um, I remember when COVID first started, I felt that need to wanting to connect with people because we were so distant and, you know, we were all stuck at home. And it was actually a week after we were all quarantined I immediately started a Facebook group where I was like, I just want a space to connect with people. I want people to show up for each other and just have meaningful conversations like you just mm-hmm. said, just to connect because obviously us being the social people that we are, if we don't see people, we kind of go stare crazy. Um, <laughs> and, and it was really hard. So you kind of hit it on the head right there. I think it's so important and valuable that even if you're not that person who will constantly feels that social media, but be able to engage with someone who you trust, who can give you honest and constructive feedback as to how they see you based on those traits and if they match your characteristics as a person. So thank you so much, Miss Wallace, for providing us with your knowledge, your wisdom. This was amazing. Um, I'm looking forward to hopefully having some other conversations in the future. If someone wants to connect with you on social media, where should they find you? So I am on LinkedIn. Jacqueline Wallace, so you can find me there. Uh, I think that's where I'm, I'm most active when it comes down to um, connecting and professional connections and as well, too. So, Awesome. And we'll be sure to post that in the show notes for people to find you. Great. Thank you for your time, Jackie. This is amazing. I miss you. I can't wait to see you and give you a big hug. And hopefully um, we, can, we can do this again really soon. Sounds good. Stay healthy, stay safe, and thanks for inviting me along. You too. Take care. Hey Chit Chatter, before you go, if you love this episode, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. I read every single one of them. It would mean the world to me. And if you love some free coaching, go ahead, like, subscribe, and in the review, leave us a comment. Go ahead and screenshot it and then post it on over on Instagram stories and tag me at Jose Miguel Longo. Thank you so much for listening. All my love. And I can't wait for you to listen to the next episode.